Advisory services offered through Prime Capital Investment Advisors, LLC, PCIA, a federally registered investment advisor, Overland Park, Kansas. The following or preceding commentaries and responses are the opinions of Jason Noble, Andy Merchant, and their guests, and are not necessarily the opinions of PCIA, are for informational and educational purposes only, and are not and should not be considered investment advice. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. Welcome to 20 Minutes of Clarity, the podcast that focuses on strategies and ideas to answer the wealth questions you have, hosted by Prime Capital Wealth Advisors Jason Noble and Andy Merchant. As wealth advisors, they've spent years navigating the complex world of finance and wealth management for their clients. Each week, they share practical tips and insights to help you achieve your financial goals. Whether you're looking to start a business, build your investment portfolio, or simply improve your personal finances, the next 20 minutes promises to be informative, engaging, and most importantly, actionable. 20 Minutes of Clarity starts now. Welcome to 20 Minutes of Clarity. I'm your co-host, Jason Noble, and with me today I have Andy Merchant. I know we're not sitting next to each other like last time, but we are still having this conversation about year-end planning. This is such an important topic. It's important to get ahead of it. So by the end of the year, you're just being able to enjoy this time, this wonderful time with your family and loved ones, and not having to focus on some of these financial matters. So that's why we're going to get ahead of this today. Andy, I'm so excited for this conversation. What are some of the thoughts that you're having that you uh, of of heading into the holiday season and just wrapping up some of the year in planning. Well, you know, we run kind of our our blanket checklist, and I think that it's important to uh, share with everybody out there kind of maybe the five that uh, that I that I I follow, and I think you follow a little bit, uh, just so people are proactive. You know, of course, we're doing this for our clients, uh, but uh, I don't know how many. Uh, other advisors are, are being as proactive as we are through the Clear Picture Wealth Program. So let me hit the five real high level that I do. And uh, I think it's a fun conversation to share with our viewers. So uh, number one that I always start with is tax loss harvesting. Uh, we'll go into detail there, but uh, but moving around your portfolio is important to do towards the year uh, and in addition throughout. Uh, maximizing retirement contributions. Uh, there's a lot of things that have year end deadlines. And uh, there's some areas that we have to focus on within uh, your 401k uh, and other features. And then the other three that I do kind of all kind of um, intertwine together, but kind of your gifting strategy, your family legacy wealth and your charitable giving. Um, Those are all year in deadline type conversations and or actions that I think we need to to be aware of. So those are my big five that I want to hit on for my end. Is anything addition or different that you're talking about, Jason? Um, uh, not much more because you, you hit the major ones for sure. Uh, like the only other thing I can think of is like FSAs. You got to spend them by the end of the year. There's no, yeah. that carryover like a health savings account has, you know, and there's other nuances by all means that we are going to be able to dove into today, but let's, let's go right into the tax loss harvesting approach. I think that's such an important topic and got to be, it has to be done that calendar year. So for those that don't know, explain to us what a tax loss harvesting is. What does that do? How does that play into the financial plan and to the investment strategy? Well, yeah, and the, and the relevance of it, of it uh, this year is, you know, we've had a strong market recovery uh, from, from last year. So, you know, a lot of people might experience what's called portfolio drift. 
And, uh, and I'll get into that part of it all. But to answer your first question is, you know, tax loss harvesting from the simple definition is offsetting any of your portfolio losses um, in the current year and maybe offsetting them with some of the gains. So you're able to, to rebalance a portfolio uh, with hopefully a net tax or a reduced tax liability. Um, in the event that you have lower, um, uh, you know, more gains or, or more losses, let's just say you, you're able to generate more losses in the tax loss harvesting strategy, uh, then you're able to, to potentially carry some of those over. Uh, but it's extremely important to have that conversation now or have a conversation of deferring it until next year. Um, so right now, let me hit on maybe the key things I want people to get out of this is the markets are up just shy of 17%, I believe, as of today overall. So portfolios of what's called drifting. And so let's just say, right, Jason, we started the year and our target allocation was a 60-40 mix. So 60% equities, 40% fixed income. If the markets have performed stronger, then naturally your portfolio will drift so that you possibly now might have an allocation of, you know, say 70 or 75% equities and then 25 to 30% fixed income. Uh, now your risk balance is off. And then if you want to readjust it back to your original one, there could be a tax liability. So by looking at the portfolio holistically, you're able to possibly find some losses in there to offset and get you back to balance. So um, if any market volatility were occur, you're properly aligned. So the boring definition and approach, but uh, it, it's a relevant one we have every year um, with towards the end of the year. Yeah, like tax loss harvesting and and a more uh, tactical, like methodical approaches towards the end of the year. That's when you could true up some of the gains and the losses to offset each other. Uh, I know you and I both have access to strategies like direct indexing. Um, we also have access to an SMA that does pro more proactive tax loss harvesting. And what I do with those strategies is let's say I have a client that is going to like sell a business and it's going to be a capital gains tax at the time of the business uh, sale. Uh, in years in advance, doing tax loss harvesting. And the, the, the question I got from someone the other day, and I think it's so important, I'm like, can I just take up the $3,000 in losses? Well, no, that's the three thousand dollar limit on the, on the annual income, mm -hmm. but that carried forward losses on the rest of the losses carried forward is to offset the capital gains of that business sale later on in in their financial plan. Um, so, like this year, the SMA the 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 portfolio went up in value, but still they had losses, and they had losses from last year that carried forward that could offset some of the even the gains of this year. So I do think it's definitely an end of the year type of review, but there's also importance of having an ongoing active approach on the tax loss harvesting. Now, if you're going at this on your own you would most likely be doing this at the end of the year just because during doing it during the year could be quite cumbersome. But if you work in with a professional, um, especially if you have a large trust account or a large joint brokerage account, some sort of taxable account, uh, doing uh, the more sophisticated ongoing tax loss harvesting could add uh, a lot of economic benefits especially if you're harvesting those losses to then offset a major sell of another position down the road. Yeah, well, I think it's also you got to add into that, Jason, you're saying it is, is you have to understand what you own. 
Um, you know, as we as we know, uh, you know, there's years when if you, like mutual funds have very little tax benefits um, when it comes to selling them. You know, in fact, I don't know how many how much you talk to your clients. I mean, I know we don't use a lot of mutual funds very, you know, within our portfolio uh, models. But uh, but a mutual fund is going to generate gains just from what they sell inside that are going to be passed through to the investor. And then even if you sell it. So there's times when a underperforming mutual fund can generate in both taxes and a loss on a statement. Yes. Um, right. So you got to know what you own. You know, ETF exchange traded funds have some more benefits. You know, we use a lot of custom individual stock portfolios within our management team. Uh, this allows us to have ultimate control, but it takes a little bit uh, more net worth and in, in those things. So I think it's important to start with what you own to see what you can do. Um, and I think it's also important for those that are that are considering these kind of strategies is, is ask your advisor if you're not working with us because uh, we're going to be proactive with you. But ask your advisor, what are you doing about year in strategy? Um, because if they're going to just go off and sell it and they haven't asked you questions like, hey, what's your income? Do you have any other passive income that maybe you didn't have? Did you start Social Security this year that could generate things? Are you um, required to qualify for, uh, you know, some of the Medicare supplements that I know we do a lot of active planning on? Um, if they're not asking those questions and they're just trying to, to use their blanket approach, um, it could leave into a lot of loss from a good gain um, just because they didn't have the conversation. Mm -hmm. it, it, and like I know we're talking about your end planning, but when do you think those conversations are best to be had with the advisor? And who do you think should initiate the conversation, the client or the advisor? Are we are we asking questions we already know the answer? No, uh, it's a fair question because it's missed, right? Uh, I think I think every we start right. The Clear Picture program uh, starts in October, uh, so our conversations are starting today. Uh, you know, our more complicated tax sensitive clients we're, are we're starting with now. And then those that have less tax sensitivity, um, we're, we're deferring because there's not as much that needs to go into it. Um, so those are happening now. And I think that uh, the advisor should be the one uh, asking the questions because it's not that the client's going to understand. So, yeah, I, I'm with you. I mean, I'd be shocked when I get that call from a client bringing up Hey, it's the end of the year. It's time for us to have this conversation just because of a proactive nature that we have within the Clear Picture Wealth Program. Now, you also mentioned uh, uh, taking a look at the end of the year savings into certain retirement accounts. I, I think it's good that yep. we go into what does that look like as well. Yeah, because just like we talked about is, um, uh, you know, you got to try to make sure you're as proactive as you can for anything with a 1231 deadline, you know, and 1231 deadlines are going to be things, uh, right. That you put into your 401k, your 401k, uh, is, is you can't make a contribution for 2023 on January 1st or 2nd of 2024. Uh, so if you need to have an additional deferral, cause again, right. 401ks are about the only strategy outside of IRAs that allow you to reduce your actual earned income, um, through a deferral approach. And so uh, same things that we tell our clients is to reach out to your um, uh, to your plan administrator to see if you are able to make any additional adjusting uh, adjustments to your uh, savings rate. Right. Because as Jason, as you and I both know, not all plans allow for you to change. And so uh, having that that understanding early will let you know how much you can or cannot do. Um, you know, there's rules that maybe I'll have you go into a little bit, Jason, around, you know, what can you contribute into an IRA uh, 
you know, as far as dollar amounts and, and, and if you're participating, you know, so what kind of conversations are you having uh, around IRA contributions and which I know you can carry into next year, but it might impact your, uh, your 401k contribution. Well, I'll start with the 401k. Okay, Andy. I mean, the 401k, 403b, 457, 401as, if you're listening, like, right, it's all the, everything I just said in that part of the tax code law, you have a December 31st deadline. Um, and there's maximum contributions that you can make that you can still get the tax deduction. And uh, if you're under the age of 50, it's 22,500 for this year. That's a, that's a big chunk of change. If you're under the age of 50 in an IRA, it's 6,500 for this year. Um, but the issue that could come up with IRAs is earnings uh, limitations. If you make more, if you're a single filer or if you're married, but you're not part of an, uh, you're not an active participant. There's so many like nuances, so I'm not going to get into the numbers. Yeah. We do have that information that we could always provide for those that uh, make sense to go through that. But um, if you're near the threshold or the phase out range of the income on the IRA, if you're near that, you could increase your 401k contribution. That's a potential solution. And then that can move you below the threshold and then you, you can max out your IRA contribution. Now, if you're that close, typically what I recommend to my clients is that not only have this conversation with their accountant proactively, but we could always do a, a, a prior year contribution. Typically, we do that in March of the following year to then be able to do whatever the most that we can in that IRA to get that tax deduction as well and make sure that's factored in to their overall tax analysis. Um, the, the, the issue that I always uh, am conscious of is making sure that they don't do uh, a higher contribution, thinking that they could do the full 6,500, but they couldn't because their income was too high, they were in the phase-out range, or they exceeded the phase-out range, then they then now they made an excess contribution, so then we have to then remove it, and that could create other headaches and issues. So that's why you will have advisors from time to time, especially if you're near the ranges, say, okay, let's just go hold, let's hold this contribution off until the following year. We could then see what your numbers come to on your phase out range and then make a prior contribution to true it up. Well, I think it's funny we talk about all this and these are all great points. And it really comes down to tax planning, which I think is kind of always the thread of our of our of our conversations <laughs> is, uh, you know, uh, control what you can control. And one of the things that you can control is, is understanding um, you know, how your investments uh, can be, you know, what your what's your net tax benefit um, is on those returns because you're putting your money at risk. And if you're just going to have to turn around and give some of that back because you had less proactive or, or just, you know, ill-advised tax selling to, to drive up performance on a statement, uh, I think it's important to, to have a long-term plan, understand how much um, you should. Uh, there may be a lot of cases you don't even want to max out your 401k because if you're going to be in a lower tax bracket, uh, in the future years, then it's not, uh, then that might make sense. But if you're in a higher tax bracket, it may not make sense. Um, so I think having a conversation around tax planning and a holistic approach over the next two or three years um, is important when you're thinking of tax loss harvesting and in uh, year end contributions to qualified plans. So um, and you also mentioned uh, 
if you're charitably inclined, um, estate planning. Uh, so was, uh, I know they're intertwined, but let's go right into charitably inclined. There's some deadlines there on December 31st. Uh, I should say January 1st. You could, you could do it on December 31st. Don't wait. Why would you wait to that day? <laughs> anyway. Um, yeah. Please, things please there. Christmas is when we go. <laughs> yeah, we want to have, I, I want to have everything wrapped up by December 15th. Because there's always yep. going to be one or two of my clients that needs to do something, you know, after December 15th. But if I had the majority of my clients after December 15th, there's no way we could try to capture all that, right? But if right. I could get most of it, not all of it done before the 15th, that just allows my clients a peace of mind going into the holiday season, me a peace of mind, my staff a peace of mind. But yeah, December fifteenth yeah. is what I always like. I, I'm joking here, Andy. I tell my clients that the deadline is December fifteenth, but they know that I'm joking. It's just that I don't <laughs> want to be messing with this on December thirtieth. You know? Yeah, the decision's out there, right? What, what about yeah. those that could do charity or that are terribly yeah. inclined? What are some of the things that they should got they, they should be aware of? Yeah, and, and I'm going to expand on it with it because I think there's three different spokes of charity inclined. There's Charity, charity to your family, which is a gifting strategy. There's charity to your community, uh, which would be through your qualified nonprofits. And then there's charity I call to your future self. And, and I'll expand on all three of those a little bit because I think they're all important deadlines. But um, let's start with just the, the easy one, which is the, the charitable gifting to your community. Uh, you know, we, you and I are huge passion people around supporting our community um, working with our clients to to help our nonprofits, we're only as strong as our as our community foundations and and things like that. And and, and I know our Clear Picture Cares podcast um, features a lot of really great nonprofits that need help. But I think it's important to note a couple things: gift to charities because you have a passion for it. Um, those have to be done. Um, those can those can be deducted as long as you are uh, as you're um, not taking the standard deduction which has changed, right? The standard deduction amount has increased so much that most people are no longer itemizing their tax return and a charitable contribution now will no longer provide you a tax benefit. So um, you need to again work with your CPA because we're not giving tax advice, but that's something to be aware of. I'll tell you, Jason, I, I had a client, she came in, new client of mine. She's like, here's my check. She had them all split out to like 25 different charities, all getting you know, between a thousand and 20,000 bucks. And I started having the conversation of, you know, what's the strategy behind this? So it's like, you know, it's very small amounts who would reach out. And she's like, I'm doing it because my CPA told me I'm supposed to do it for tax benefits. And so when I got her copy for tax return, she's no longer itemizing. She's taking the standard deduction. And so there really was no tax benefit for her. And I didn't want her doing that only for the benefit of taxes. And so what we did is we took that long list and we narrowed it down to, to one she could do a much more meaningful impact to instead of giving her favorite charity down the street, a thousand bucks. She was able to now increase that to 5,000. And then she was able to take her $5,000 ones and increase it to 15, um, much more significant gifting. Um, but you do need to make those at the end of the year. Um, if you have the opportunity to give to your favorite charity, uh, you know, do it out of your heart first. And then uh, if there's tax benefits second, then, then that's where I go with that. Uh, you make, you make such a wonderful point with the standard deduction. It's so important. Now, if you are in uh, the the stage in your life where you're doing required minimum distributions, RMDs, and you're charitably inclined, you could do what's called a QCD, a Qualified Charitable Distribution. 
there's there's rules around this and there's maximums you could do okay each year but that's a way that you could offset the top line of your of your 1040 the top they call it above the line of your 1040 and uh you can still take the full standard deduction which is pretty cool um it's only mm -hmm. for those that are over 70 and a half they get this they changed the rmd ages right andy but they didn't change the qcd the qcd is still at 70 and a half go figure i think that's kind of cool that they did that um but those are for those that are terribly inclined and want to use pr part of their ira their IRAs required minimum distribution to offset the tax liability on money they didn't intend to use anyway. Um, and then the other thing I, I would say is lowly, uh, like uh, low basis investments that have high appreciation. Um, I, uh, my, my, I have clients that had that over the course of the years, and we may be looking at uh, donating uh, those shares to 502c3s. They, you do have to make sure these are qualified uh, charities under the Internal Revenue Code, under 502c3s. I mean, the, again, uh, this is where you work with a qualified professional and your team of professionals, including your accountant, to look through these different aspects. Now, you also mentioned gift to your future self. I liked what, what that sounded like, but can you explain what that means? Hey, it, just, it just rolled off the tongue, right? Uh, that, that would be also known as the Roth conversion. Um, you know, you're not getting the tax benefit today, uh, but you're getting the tax benefit tomorrow. So it's the gift uh, to your future self. Uh, I know when you and I run a lot of our Clear Picture Wealth program plans, one of the things we always try to look for is when we do our tax analysis on a client's, we're looking into the future to see if they're possibly going to be in a lower tax bracket. And um, and so what we might do is that if you're in that lower tax bracket, let's just say you retired this year, but haven't started Social Security, you're looking into next year, um, you know, Roth conversions have to be done by the end of the year. But, you know, I've got a couple of clients, Jason, that I've worked on. They've been in, you know, the, the higher tax bracket. We measure it by effective tax rate, not to, to go into that and on this conversation, but just the percentage of 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 your uh, of your income that's going to taxes. So it's when I'm using those numbers if they're in the top bracket. But then they retire and we're strategic with how their money is. We could get those clients down to, you know, the very low tax bracket. Well, if that's the case, then it makes sense to do Roth conversions for a couple of years before we start other income streams like Social Security or pension benefits. Um, just because that's, that paves the way for benefiting your future self on a lower tax rate or, or RMDs if you get to that point. So uh, Roth conversions are, are something that are a little sticky. Um you got to have a committed plan, but I think they're very important um, and appreciated years that we're in. And, and uh, it's uh, something that has to be evaluated on an annual basis. There's two times of the year that is uh, considered the better, the, the best times to do Roth conversions. The, the one is when there's a, a drop in the middle of the year. Okay, mm -hmm. so let's say the plan is to do an $80,000 Roth conversion. I'm just going to use this as an example. If there's a drop in the middle of the year at some point, I would want to convert, let's say, $40,000 into the Roth then. Okay, not the full 80, but let's say half, maybe 50,000, right? But that's, you're, you're, hopefully you're, if you're listening, you're picking up what I'm putting down. And the reason why I don't want to do the full 80 is because what if in the back half of the year, 
something came up unexpected where you got to put something towards the house or, mm-hmm. uh, or, or the car or something. Something just came up that we didn't account for, for whatever reason. And we needed to make additional IRA distribution to get that money out. Um, I, I, let's say that's a $20,000 expense that came up. Well, now at the end of the year, I could just true it up with the other 20000 to make it a full, full 80000 Now, what if I did the full 80000 and that came out? That could throw off the, the overall tax analysis in the tax plan. So that goes in the middle of the year or you know, sometime throughout the year. I true it up at the end of the year. At the mm-hmm. end of the year, I know what additional distributions were taken out and things of that nature that we that we had, and then I could just true up whatever that amount is. It's a very powerful approach when it makes financial sense. This is not for everybody. It is very powerful for for those that are listening, and it makes financial sense to do this by being being charitable to yourself in the future. That's so cool, Andy. Now, I figured you'd like that. Family members, family yeah. members. Okay, so yeah. I think I know where you're headed on this, but can you share with us what you meant by the family members? Yeah, I mean it's really more of an advanced, uh, more of an estate planning. So there's there's two two sides of it all is that you can give a uh, gift to your family a set amount of money each year that you do not have to uh, recognize or taxes, and it actually comes off of uh, you know it's the asset that comes out of your balance sheet so it could reduce future estate tax if we if we run into that scenario. Um, but, you know, I think that also, you know, the end of the year is about giving. Um, and if you're in a position where you're fortunate enough that you've amassed um, some significant wealth to where you can um, give to your family members, we recognize not everybody can do it. But if you are in that position, um, you know, giving cash is one thing. But giving maybe a strategic plan for, for your children to do something they probably wouldn't do on their own, I think, is, is even more powerful. And what I mean by that is, you know, one of the strategies is, is uh, I mean, I'll give you the numbers first, is that uh, for 2023, um, a married couple could each give away $17,000 each to every beneficiary that they could recognize. So uh, what that would basically amount to is that if you have three children, they're all married and you're married, uh, you could give up to about one hundred and two thousand uh, dollars that does not have to be filed on your gift tax return. Um, and and what I've been working with some clients on, Jason, I think makes a very powerful conversation right now is give the gift of future life insurance and flexibility of being your own banker. Uh, we are setting up right now for some of our, our clients a reoccurring gift based on, you know, some target amount up to the maximum per beneficiary. And we're funding cash value life insurances for these younger individuals. And, and the power behind that is, let's just say you in, I'm setting up one, Jason, right now, even for a six-year-old, you know, we do these for, for, for grandkids. Um, you know, our whole program, and I know we're probably running on time with 20 minutes clarity here, but the whole thing is about con- putting more control in your hands and less control in the surrounding. That's true financial clarity in our opinion, uh, or in my opinion. And uh, one of those being is be your own banker. And so using a cash value life insurance with maybe some strategic gifting can not only provide family leverage for something people won't buy on their own, but it also maximizes maybe some future savings so they can be a lot more flexible. So uh, I encourage um, if you're in the business of uh, of, uh, desire of gifting to your family, um, be strategic about it. 
that's that's kind of my point on that message. Great message. I know we ran longer than 20 minutes of clarity, so this was actually closer to 26 minutes of clarity. And that was your co-host, Andy Merchant. I am Jason Noble. Thank you so much for tuning in and have a blessed day. See you later.